You are listening to Crosstalk. A safe place to discuss addiction, recovery, harm reduction, and everything in between. Support for this podcast comes from the Kentucky Opioid Response Effort and Advocates of Recovery. Content and production by the team at Turning Point Recovery Community Center. Now, buckle up and get ready for the show. Welcome everyone to Crosstalk Recovery, the recovery podcast that supports all forms of recovery. I'm Matt Lewis, and I'm here with Casey Teasley, a person in long-term recovery, Amanda Wiersma, Ashley Yates. Welcome, ladies, uh, and especially Ashley, welcome you. Ashley was on a few months ago for the Oxford House podcast, and it was actually her one year when she was on, and now she works here with us at Turning Point. So uh, welcome working here, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Um, today, I wanted I asked Casey to be on. Because I realize we don't, other than the women that work here, we haven't had a lot of women on the podcast uh, representing recovery. And Casey, when I was at Centerpoint, Casey was the first woman I heard give her lead, and she had such a great story. And since I've graduated and stayed working in recovery and involved, uh, I always hear good things about what she's been doing and her success. She's worked at a lot of different treatment centers. She's gone to school. I see you at the gym all the time, uh, improving yourself, which I'm big on. Um, So I just wanted to have you on to kind of share a little bit of your story, your experience, strength, and hope. And uh, I know you got a couple of sober living houses now, so you're doing big things. I feel like you are setting a good example. So I just wanted to have you on, man, and uh, okay. tell us a little bit about your story. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm grateful to be here. This is the first time that I've ever done a podcast. So um, I do do a lot of giving back in the community. Um, I've been sober a little under eight years. It'll be eight years, September wow. the 13th. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how cool is that? Um, you know, the the short version of, of my stories, you know, like I got sober in jail. Um, I had, um, you know, pending charges in two counties and, uh, they gave me a chance to go to rehab and, uh, it was a cross-based rehab and I just could not be obedient enough for it. And they discharged me and I ended up with a 15 year prison sentence. And so that's how I got sober. You know, I spent um, two and a half years in county jail and before um, being released. Um, you know, for a whole year there, I couldn't go to church. I couldn't do any kind of 12-step meetings. Couldn't do anything. Couldn't do anything to change the way I thought or, um, you know, any behaviors or anything like that. I had um, all you the stayed self-help. sober the whole time? Yes. There? Yes. That's sometimes hard to do, especially without things like the, you know, the meetings and stuff like that to help you. Yes, we had, um, there was one point where a lot of stuff come into the Fulton County Jail, and it was um, quite an uncomfortable uh, three days that there was like 23 out of the 26 that stayed up. And yeah, so I, I was working there. Were you? Yeah, I was working there that time. Okay, so that was a whole ordeal. Yeah, it was. You know, finally on like day three, and of course it was a lot of like Eastern Kentucky girls, and so they're used <laughs> to doing opiates, and so they are in a whole nother world. And like on day three, I'm like, you're you're going to go to sleep one way or the other. Like, <laughs> I'm done. I was an inmate there as well at that time. I was just in a different cell. Were you? And I remember that. That's yeah. oh, crazy. It was horrible. How this was worked out. Yeah, it was horrible. Like they stayed up all the time, and I was like, I've never in my life, you know, 
There was just something about it. I knew that when I woke up on September the 13th of 2015, I was in the Graves County Jail, and I was like, I never have to drink or drug again. Like, I knew that I had some significant charges, and I knew, like, five days later, I had a whole other set of charges coming. I had an indictment coming. And so I knew that I was going to be physically removed from the substance. And for me, that's what it takes. You know, I don't ever go into a meeting and pick up your white chip and say, I'm going to surrender anything. Surrender for me only comes through, like, handcuffs and blue lights. So, um, you know, I'm truly grateful for that experience. I'm truly grateful for every day that I spent because it's built me to who I am. Um, I started building a foundation of recovery. Like, I would get up early in the morning. I would fix coffee. I would read my devotions, like I had um, the Daily Bread, the Word for Today, Jesus Calling, like whatever people could get in there to me. I I read everything that I could because it was the only opportunity that I had to get better. Um, I had a big book. I read the big book. I read the Bible, and I read that every day. And it, I mean, it's like 2,800-something days later, and that's how I still start my day. I still start my day with coffee. I still start my day with prayer, meditation, um, and gratitude, you know? For a long time, the only thing I had to be grateful for was that I didn't ever have to drink or drug again. And that my mama knew where I was. You know, my mama, knew, she may not have liked where I was sleeping, but she knew where I was. She didn't have to worry about me dying. So, um, you know, I finally got to SAP and started getting into a program. And then I was able to uh, get a sponsor. Her name was Miss Pam. Um, she goes, I, I, actually been able to run into some like sponsees and grand sponsees like through the program and stuff but I asked Pam if she would be my sponsor and she was like nobody's ever asked me to do that before and I was like I knew that the freedom was going to come from working the 12 steps you know mm-hmm. long-term recovery was going to come from the 12 steps you know and and I had experience with that before so that's what I wanted to do and Pam and I got together and we worked up to step seven and then um the judge shot probated me upon completion of SAP, and I, he shot me out into drug court. So when I come home, I was two and a half years sober. I was living with my parents at, I don't know, 38 years old, something like that, living with my parents, my children, and um, in drug court, you know. Um, if it hadn't have been for drug court, if it hadn't have been for him ordering me into drug court, I probably would have never returned to Carlisle County. You know, I would have went somewhere else. Um, I had a horrible reputation with all the court systems, all the Commonwealth attorneys, all the police, all the probation and parole. And, you know, and so God had his hand in that too, right? Because bringing me back here, like I've been able to repair like all of those relationships. I can go to any law enforcement anywhere and get, like, help with anything that I need, like getting people into treatment, getting them to transport people to treatment. Um, I have a good relationship with judges, you know, most of the Commonwealth. You know, my name, actually, like, I've been able to repair the reputation that I had when I was using. So that's just one of the really cool things. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, not long after I got out, I started working at the Fuller Center um, in Mayfield. And so I worked there for, I don't know, a few months. And I got into the crisis unit, and I finally, you know, started going back to school. I went to work on my master's, um, you know, and then there was a God thing there, too. You know, I was trying to find a better job, and 
um, the door just kept closing at all these other jobs. And so when I applied for the master's degree, it just, like, everything just fell into place. Uh, I think I applied in November, and I started in January. Um, you know, since then, I've graduated with my master's. I'm now, um, I'm finishing up the first year of the doctoral program. I'm working on a doctorate of philosophy and counselor education and supervision. Um, I have um, two licenses to practice um, mental health and substance abuse therapy. I have one under the licensed professional counselor board, one under the alcohol and drug counselors board. Um, You know, that's just truly amazing to me is to be able to go back and and do things and help other people and so often we hear that as a convicted felon that there's so much that you cannot do yep and there's really not like they're not going to let me probably write prescriptions for somebody and they're probably not going (laughs) to let me be the president of the united states but those are probably things that i don't need to be in anyway um i mean really i haven't you know, whenever like my background or anything has stopped me from getting a job, there's there's just one. Um, like that was a God thing, and that was not where I needed to be, right? And if I got that job, would I have started on my master's? And probably not. Um, I do have a couple of sober living homes. There were, um, you know, we have a huge need for places for people in recovery to go. Um, yeah, because the recovery community here, surprisingly for what small town it is, is huge. Yeah. And, yeah, we're always struggling to find places to put people. And I know there's high turnovers and stuff, and, and people have to wait sometimes. But especially for women, we need more places for women around here. Uh, I noticed that. But that's why I was happy when I heard you were opening a place, a couple places, because more options, the better, you know? Yes. Um, so how, how did you, you know, go, how did you get involved with doing that? Like, how did you go about doing that? Like, I'm just curious. About the opening the suburb yeah. living? Yeah. Um, I mean, basically, I just found somebody that, um, and it was really cool. They were like, because um, like a lot of people talked about it. You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's do this, or yeah, this person wants to get involved, or yeah, this person. And so I found a partner, and they're like, let's do it. And we did it, you know, and we got um, a house, and then we started buying the beds and the mattresses and furniture, and, you know, started collecting donations and stuff. And, you know, being really plugged into the recovery community helps, and like knowing yeah. a lot of people and, you know, working in various aspects of recovery throughout the community. Like, I've just developed a lot of relationships with people. And so I've been able to get people that are willing to venture out with me, you know, because it was sometimes there's a high turnover. Sometimes it's a huge headache. Sometimes it's really great, you know. And so you've got to focus on the really great. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's one thing about, like, working in treatment, I'm sure that y'all already know, is that every once in a while you get one that gets it. You get one and you get to see the light come on and you get to see them, like, getting better and getting stable and you start to see, like, the promises come true. And and those you have to hold on to because the other hundred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
may make you rethink your career. Um, so it's definitely not a um, like career and endeavor for the faint of heart, you know. But it's put me in a position where I can continue to grow other people. And so you watch other people because they say that, you know, we, we keep what we have by giving it away, right? And mm-hmm. that there was a speaker one time that I heard, he said that we are lifeguards. Like we teach other people how to swim. We teach other people how to help other people. And so by being able to do this, like I've been able to grow other people into leadership positions, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can continue to help people, like make people get out of their shell and do things so that they can continue to learn and grow. And that's yeah. where it becomes exponential. Right. Like I'm just one person, but if I can impact 10 lives and those 10 people can go impact 10 lives. The ripple effect. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I say all the time is, and that's why I started working in recovery, not only to, you know, stay connected, but it was like all the harm and destruction that I caused out there didn't have to be for nothing if I can use it to help someone. And those experiences, (coughs) excuse me, those experiences that we had uh, in the madness, I feel like prepare us to deal with those 100 that aren't going to make it, you know, or that aren't willing at that point uh, and helping them till they get to that point. Um, I just think that, you know, as addicts, we're, I feel like we're stronger in a lot of ways than the average person. Like we've been homeless, we've been through jail, we've been sick, you know, we've had to survive. Uh, and that prepares us for when we're ready to be able to help someone else. And we understand what they're going through, you know, it helps us to be sympathetic and empathetic to their situations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, some of the literature talks about, like, how we are, like, our character qualities that we have when we're not drinking or using, right? And how we're, like, exceptional people, like, intellectually and physically in every respect except for when it comes to, like, alcohol and drugs. And so when you take that away, then, I mean, the sky's the limit for, like, really what we can do. You know, we used to have, like, all these grand ideas. Like, I can remember all these nights that I had all these grand ideas. (laughs) Solved all the world's problems over a beer, yeah. 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 Now I can have grand ideas and I can implement them. Yeah. 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 And that's cool. That's one of the cool things of sorority. We'll be right back. As a woman in recovery, I know how important having a fellowship of women has been for me. Come join us at the Women of Worth All Recovery Support Group here at Turning Point, 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky, every Friday night at 6 p.m., where we discuss our personal experiences in recovery. Hope to see you there. Hello, everybody. You want to know something? My biggest issue with meetings is despite their name, they're never about me. Here at Turning Point, all of our meetings are for you and about you. We have meetings at least three times a day, seven days a week. We are located at 415 Broadway, Paducah, Kentucky. Call 270-444-3621 for more information. put forth the action that's required to achieve those ideas and you know and having people 
around you who are of sound mind as well who can help you achieve that. Like oh, you yeah. said, being connected in the recovery community was extremely beneficial to you, trying to open sober livings and stuff like that. And that's true because that's what this community is about, like lifting each other up. I think a lot of us have put so many people down and put ourselves down for so long, and now we're trying to lift everyone up and see we want to see people succeed that's why i love a success story like you i love seeing you know like ashley coming to work here uh you know she was working at kto before this yeah. and wanting to work in recovery and yeah. i love seeing people getting to do what they want to do that and helping other people along the way and absolutely the ripple effect is such an awesome thing to think about because we have no idea i mean it it will continue long after we're gone that ripple effect mm -hmm. will be going on uh you know, you think, I always think, my dad forced us to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that old movie, but, uh, you know, he, he wishes he wasn't born and sees what the world was like without him and all the lives that he affected. And, you know, I think of that a lot now in recovery, like, what if I hadn't been here? What if I hadn't been here to help this person or that person? And who are they going to help? So, I know, I try to look at it that way anyway. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, I, too, got sober in jail and I went through the SAP program and you know I don't hear much of people you know with that background and I'm going to school as well so I'm just interested to know what it's like for you getting these degrees or what was it like for you getting these degrees um, being in recovery what did you find most challenging well you know I had see I had one degree when I went to when okay. I went to prison, so I had a bachelor's, and then um, I'd always wanted to go to law school, right? And we actually had like a law school that opened up at the Information Age Park like back in two thousand and six, and I went for like a month or two, and you know, <laughs> I didn't make it very long once I got like financial aid, like I kind of spun out of control, and so the degree that I had was not very, it was not um, good for this field. And so it kind of like when somebody told me no, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of like put jetpacks yeah. on my um, determination that yeah. I was going to do something different. And so, you know, the, the biggest thing for me is like any time that I was rejected with something, it was because that God had something better. And so like this one job with this one employer and then like there was a couple more that I was trying to get promotions and stuff and I didn't. And if I'd have got those, like, I'd have stayed where I was, right? And I would have never applied to grad school. And, like, even the first grad school I applied to mm -hmm. um, saw my bachelor's transcript and my criminal background, and they were like, no. You know? Wow. And then, you know, Lindsay Wilson, I interviewed with them, and it was so quick, like, so quick I was accepted. And so that's where I completed my master's, and then... Um, I, like it's not ever really been just hard like it's really about time management you know I have lived my life by a calendar ever since I come out of prison I had come out with two kids and a determination that I was going to be at every event that they had mm -hmm. baseball softball golf school like whatever it was I was going to be at that then I had all these drug court stuff. So I still pack around a paper calendar. I have a calendar in my phone. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so much. Because, like, JC now, my daughter, is in um, softball. And she's got cheerleading. And then um, 
I have class one night a week. I'm also, I've um, been hired at, I'm adjunct faculty at Summit Christian University. So I'm actually doing that now. Um, That's kind of cool. Never thought, never wanted to be like a teacher on the horizon. But um, it's also another, like I heard another one of my professors say that the exponential potential of like how many people can I impact if if I'm counseling like if I have 20 to 50 people on my caseload I can impact those 20 to 50 people but if I can impact 20 people in a classroom and those 20 people go impact you know exponential and when she said it like that I was like now I have a reason to work on my doctorate just besides I want to be doctor in four years (laughs) (laughs) yeah when we had to remove ego out of it and find out if there was another reason you know I'm not going to say like I still have a large ego and I absolutely want to be called doctor (laughs) yeah Yeah. um But you know, like the school, it's just time management. And it's like, how many more people have seen me doing it mm-hmm. and have gone to do it? Yes. You know, I could start naming people. There's a lot of people that have seen me do it. There's a lot of people that have seen me getting licenses and it started getting licenses. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a guy that um, I had in treatment like a long time ago. And I was like, he come to work with me later, and I was like, just let me get in position, and I'll help you, you know, and and all of that has fallen into place. Like, God has put me in the position to not just help other people, like, get sober or point them in the direction, but to enrich their life as well, you know, and how cool. Like, prison had a purpose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew, like, with, you know, and a lot of people sit in there and they're like, I'm not coming back here again. You know, and, and I can remember, um, I don't remember what her name was, but she'd been there for like eight years. And she would get up and clean the cell every morning and she would hit every rack in there with the mop bucket at like four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I am not ever coming back here again. And I put the work in, you know, to make sure that I never went back there again. Um. I hustled my recovery just like I used to hustle on the street every day. More so now than I used to because I have a lot more to lose. But literally everything I have is tied up in sobriety, everything. Like um, the the sober houses, like I also have a a private practice um, counseling doing DOT SAP evaluations. I have that license as well. you know, I work for another provider. I work for Kentucky Care. So everything that I have is tied up in sobriety. There's nothing more important than keeping me sober. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good thing, you know, when you have all that, then it makes it harder to lose stuff. That's why, you know, what we do at Turning Point when we're trying to help people get the housing grant or get in places, it's like let them build back some of their life so that they start to not want to lose it again because the yes. longer you have nothing it's easier to you know hit that button and yep. say screw it but you know as you start to get things back if you can stay focused like you have and just keep adding to it and keep giving yourself more and more reasons why not to go backwards i think is yeah. extremely helpful yeah and i think that like the, the time that i was sober before from like 2007 to 2010 like i'd started to school like i started getting things back 
and I really wasn't working as solid of a program. Like I stopped being honest with my sponsor about some things and, um, you know, I got involved in this relationship and, um, I knew he was bad news, you know, but we think that we're going to be unique or whatever, terminal uniqueness. And like, I was going to be different, like Bob the Builder type stuff. And, um, when that started going south, I wasn't honest about that. So, you know, and I've used like every lesson that I could pull out of that past experience. And so, you know, like, I'm not perfect. Like, we don't ever get rid of these character defects. You know, some days I don't drink or drug, and that day's a success. Mm-hmm. Some days I can do really big things. You know, there's other days that I cuss people out on the way to work. <laughs> You know, because they're not driving right. Um, but, you know, one of the great things about that is um, there's another lady in the program, and she's been she's been sober, like, so many years, so many years. And she'll text me every now and then, and she'll be like, people just are not driving right this morning. And, you know, and that makes me feel good because I know that it just at my eight years sober that if people aren't driving to suit me, and she's got, like, 40-plus years sober and people aren't driving to suit her, you know, like, I know that I'm not alone. Yeah. And so I have to, like, remember stuff like that. It's like, I still have, um, you know, the thoughts are not all the way completely aligned yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of space between the thoughts and my behaviors and my actions. So I don't have to always act on what's going on in my head. I can um, right. <laughs> put some space in there, you know. Um, being completely honest with someone, you know, sponsor, support network, like whatever the craziness is going around between my ears, like I have to speak on it. So that was a lesson that I learned the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I think that's really important too. Honesty, I mean, spiritual principle behind step one. It's where it all starts. Um, funny story you're talking about, you know, yelling at people and driving. <clears throat> I, I got right after I graduated Center Point, and as a peer mentor, I got a shirt made that said, We are not saints, you know, because it's from the big book. And I, I was, you know, it's, I thought it was funny, and it was like as an excuse for my behavior, like, yeah. you know, like, I'm, still not, I'm still sick, right? And I was in Louisville visiting my son, and I was in the elevator wearing it, and this old guy came in, and he was wearing an AA hat. He was all old time, and he's like, but we're working on it. And I was like, absolutely right. I loved that because it's like, we're not perfect and we're going to be working on it forever. But the fact that we are working on it is what matters, you know? Yes. You ladies have any other questions for Casey? Well, I don't have any questions, but um, it definitely is an inspiration, you know, to hear, you know, how you've stayed focused focused and uh, everything that you're working on, you know, as a strong woman in recovery. No, I definitely really appreciate, you know, everything that you, you've done. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm just blazing a trail, you know. I'm not special. Like, I didn't get, you know, I just am willing to work, you know, and, like, what else can God do? Right. You know, what else can he do? We'll be right back. Hey, y'all. Did you know it's illegal to own just one guinea pig in Switzerland because they get lonely? Here at Turning Point, we don't want you to ever be lonely either. That's why we are open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Always feel free to come hang with our friendly staff and don't forget your guinea pig. We're located at 415 Broadway Street, downtown Paducah. 
One thing I have always wondered is who put the alphabet in alphabetical order. At Turning Point, our goal is to help you put your life back in order. If you struggle or have struggled with substance use disorder and are in need of help, come see us at 415 Broadway Street, Paducah, Kentucky, or call 270-444-3621 and sign up for peer support services with one of our friendly staff who have lived experience with addiction. Hope to see you soon. I can remember, like, when I was leaving prison, like, the things, the mountains in front of me was, and I say this in my story a lot, you know, like, my concern was, how was I going to get my license back? How was I going to get a car? You know, never was I going to go back to school. Was I going to get a couple more degrees? Mm. Was, you know, like, was I going to get a couple of licenses? Like, I wouldn't have had no plans to be a counselor. I had plans to own a home. I had plans to have custody of my kids. I had plans to do any of that. But it's just, like, I do the work. God provides the rest. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, It's exactly how I feel. I mean, I came through, I didn't didn't like setting goals at all because every goal or plan I'd made fallen through due to my choices and actions Um, but slowly by setting small attainable goals I was able to reach those and you know my goals keep growing I see like you're saying the possibilities are endless when you're trusting God when you have the support system of brothers and sisters in recovery around you uh, when you're doing the right thing when you're putting the distance between your thoughts and your actions like you said um, the possibilities are truly endless I can remember um, January 2022 um, me and Ashley Piles were making our goals for the year of 2022. And I think that I had achieved those or had those. And those were lofty goals, you know, passport, uh, trip out of the country, you know, uh, two licenses, the doctoral program, uh, and remodeling my house. And all of those were in action or accomplished by, like, May. And so, you know, like, August, and I'm like, so my goals weren't big enough, you know? Um, I don't know what really, like, the goals for this year, I guess, was to get the sober houses up and going. Um, You know, I started with one and then started on the second. And, you know, right after that happened, like, a huge turnover. Like, lost, like... Eight people, you know, like if we'd had this last week, last Thursday, um, like I had a lot of fear, right? Because I didn't open up two sober houses and I had three people. And so it was like, you know, wow. And then, um, and then a lot of, you know, I was able to speak to the people around me and like, you know, enlist other people's help. And it's like, God worked that out too. But, like, last Thursday, I was kind of like, yeah, there was a lot of fear there. That don't happen a whole lot. The fear? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm able to look like, go back and look back so many times in life that, like, God carried me through things, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I know that he's going to do that. But I guess the fear of money, you know. (laughs) Yeah, the rent payments do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
how am I going to pay for this venture? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know opening a sober living house has to be a step of faith, you know, because, you, like you said, you never know when you're going to, the whole house could just walk out on you uh, or relapse or whatever. So yeah. um, you do have to you do have to trust God, you know, and trust the process in that. And Because uh, I'm a fixer. Like, I like to have my hand in things. <laughs> Fix, manage, and control. Absolutely. <laughs> I would love to say that I'm working on that, but, um, you know, I, I might be lying. Um, right. I try to give it to God, but I'm still in the middle. Well, yeah. I think God meets us in the trying. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know for a lot of times I say I'm working on something, and it was a way to get people off my back, you know, <laughs> but... Today, I, when I say it, I truly try to mean it, you know, because I, I, and I do when I say I'm taking a look at something, I actually take a look at it. And sometimes those things are hard to take a look at. But mm-hmm. I think like, like I was talking about earlier, what I've survived now, these problems, you know, and I, and they're nothing in comparison. So, oh, yeah. and I truly do yeah. like, <clears throat> my goal is perfection. I know that I will never achieve that goal, but I have to be willing to be moving forward mm-hmm. constantly and be willing to work on myself. I kind of like finding new character defects because I'm like, ooh, something else to work on. (laughs) Something else I got to fix. And I know that I can now because I've changed so much already from who I used to be. So I know that it's possible. This past year has been a lot about, I think, just growth, more like internal, um, professionally. You know, um, I'm a completely different person than what, then the clinical associate that worked at Fuller like five years ago, like I was so black and white in the way that I thought. And then, you know, I can still be, you know, pretty tough when it comes to recovery and like how I think, you know, things that should be done and the work that needs to be put in. And, but, you know, I've grown a lot. <laughs> I've gotten um, exposed to a lot more forms of recovery. There's different paths, you know, um, not everybody has to practice a 12-step program. A lot of people need to. Not everybody has to, but a lot of people need to. Right. <laughs> There's even people that are not drinking that <laughs> need to practice a 12-step yeah. program. Yeah. I think when it's something that worked for you, you're passionate about it. I mean, that's yeah. what I worked at 12 Steps through Centerpoint, and, but also through working at Turning Point. You know, we're trying to be supportive of all forms of recovery, and it's about saving lives. And I know not everybody's ready at the same time. But, yeah, when it's something that works for me, like, why don't they get it? It worked for me. I, this is how it's done. And it's not always done for the same people. Like, we had the, the guy on who has a racing for recovery in Ohio, Todd Crandall, and it's all holistic and, like, about exercising and stuff. And he has tremendous success with people up there just, like, based their recovery around getting healthy. And I know it's a big part of my recovery. Like I said, I see you in the gym a lot because, it, for me, it's about – Improving body, mind, and spirit, like the mm-hmm. whole thing. I want to be, you know, as soon as I quit smoking, I'll be uh, <laughs> probably closer to perfection than I am now anyway. But, you know what I'm saying? it It's constant improvement of everything, and, and I know that takes different forms for different people. So, yeah. Well, I, me and a couple of the girls that I go or in the doctoral program together, we have done a lot of research on self-care. And we've done a lot of presentations. And then we are in the process of creating a, like, program to introduce to the master's level students, you know, self-care within the counseling profession. Because burnout is so real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so everybody tells you that you're supposed to practice self-care. But, like, how do you really implement that? Like, how do you implement holistic wellness? Like, how do you take care of everything, like physical, mental, spiritual, um, financial? Like, how do you take care of all that? Like, where do you find time in your day? And so we were doing a lot of presentations on that, going to take it, like, to the master's level students and be like, these are things that we really do. Because as much as I do, like, I have to have self-care on point. Yeah. Like, I need to go to the gym between work and home so that I can be present and not irritable with my child. You know, it makes me feel better. It takes care of my body. Um, you know, spiritual, I stay connected. Um, through, you know, the meditation, um, I, church services, music, like different things fulfill that spiritual need. Yeah. You know, the financial, like taking care of the bills, making money, having a job that you like. Um, That's very important. Yes. You know, to feel, because I think that, you know, we have the spiritual malady. And so just because we get sober and stuff and we're working a 12-step program, like we still got something that draws us that spiritual malady, right? And I think, you know, that's part of the reason why I have all of this stuff going on is, you know, just to keep fulfilling that. And so... We have to continue to pour into that. And so I'm big on, like, the self-care. I'm big on the holistic wellness because um, there's been so many times in the past where I've got stressed, I've got stretched thin, you know, as a single mother, being in school, um, you know, I, it's me. I'm the backup plan. Um and then I, you know, go get another job and not have enough hours in the day and then start snorting substances again, right? Because if I just had a little bit more energy, I could pack a little bit more into the day. Right. And so I know that self-care has got to be on point. Always. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're big on that here at Turning Point. And Four Rivers, they're always honest. And, you know, we had to make our Nathan, our lead peer support, we had to make him take a week of vacation. <laughs> he's never taken his vacation since he's been here. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there's people who are too good at it, like Michelle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it takes two days off a week. But <laughs> on top of the two days off a week. Um, <laughs> but it is important, man, because there is definitely burnout. And uh, it's different for each person, too. You know, yes. uh, each person could take. Some people could take more than others. Uh, you know, I'm pretty chill. Uh, I don't let things bother me as much as some people can. I'm, some people are way more empathetic, and things affect them more than other people. And, you know, so everybody has to figure out what their self, level of self-care is and be willing to put forth, because that's work as well. Mm-hmm. Self-care is, is work as well. I mean, I love to travel, so I've always – I had a supervisor one time that – one of her keys was always have a trip planned, and so absolutely, we <laughs> yeah. got a trip planned in August, and yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. Well, Casey, I really appreciate you coming on here and doing yeah, this. Uh, like, like we said, you're an inspiration to uh, women in recovery and to anyone in recovery, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. So, Definitely. thanks for coming on and sharing your experience, strength, and hope, and. Uh, uh-huh. I appreciate you having me. All right. Good luck in all your future endeavors. All right. Thank you. All right. Check uh, check us out on YouTube or our audio versions on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Podbean. And as always, stay grateful. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction or in recovery and needs guidance, 
Speak with Turning Point's team of peer support specialists by calling 270-444-3621. You are not alone, and we are proof that recovery is possible.